You are listening to Church Talk with Isaac. Welcome to another episode of Church Talk with Isaac. Again, I'm your host, Isaac Watson, and I want to say that you all are in for a, a good conversation. You are in for a treat this morning, this afternoon, this evening, whenever and wherever you're listening to this. Um, I, I want to do a topic entitled Entanglements, Polygamy, and the Church. And I want to talk about what I believe God says about marriage. Now, this is a topic that was actually sparked through a media buzz that was going around regarding Will Smith, Jada uh, Pinkett Smith, and another young artist by the name of August Alcina. Alcina, excuse me. And um, and uh, to make a long story short. Um, there uh, is actually not a rumor anymore because Jada Pinkett actually, uh, Jada Smith uh, uh, actually confirmed that she had a an quote unquote entanglement uh, with August during a period of time where her and Will were separated, and uh, and I wanna I wanna talk about uh, marriage just for a few moments and uh, and listen before I go any further. I want you all to stop what you're doing. I want you to subscribe. If you have not yet subscribed to Church Talk with Isaac, take a moment and subscribe really quickly. And then I want you to leave a review. I want you to rate Church Talk with Isaac. And then I want you to leave a review. And let me know how uh, this podcast, how this platform has been blessing you, has been helping you, uh, has been maybe educating you or giving you a different perspective on things. And I want to I want to hear from you. So, again, take a moment or so right now and do that. And what I want to do is I want to open up this uh, this episode. Uh, I want to look at First Corinthians chapter five because I want to clear something up really quickly. And then I'll give you my perspective of what I think about this whole thing. All right. So I'm going to look at First Corinthians chapter five uh, verses nine through 13. And I'm going to look at it from the Passion Translation. I'm going to look at it from the Passion Translation, and this is what it says. It says, it says, what right do I have to pronounce judgment on unbelievers? That's God's responsibility. But those who are inside the church family are our responsibility to discern and judge. So it's your duty to remove that wicked one from among you. I, I wrote you in my previous letter asking you not to associate with those who practice sexual immorality. Yet in no way was I referring to avoiding contact with unbelievers who are immoral or greedy or swindlers or those who worship other gods, for that would mean that you'd have to isolate yourself from the world entirely. But now I'm writing to you so that you would exclude from your fellowship anyone who calls himself a fellow believer and practices sexual immorality or is uh, consumed with greed or is an idolater or is verbally abusive or a drunkard or a swindler. Don't mingle with them or or even have a meal with someone like that. All right. I want you all to understand that Paul is saying this. Pretty much in a nutshell, he's saying this. It's okay for you to hang out, for you to associate, for you to uh, have friends that are unbelievers. But he's saying don't associate with people who profess to be believers or who say they are a part of the church, who are a part of church, and they live a double standard life. So my take on uh, Will Smith, Jada Smith, August, 
my take on their situation is this. Um, that's, it's really none of our business. I'm not on here today to talk about them. I'm here to talk about marriage. And the reason why I say it's none of our business, our meaning the church, although they put it out there, uh, they've, they've aired it out. You can go on there, you can find it, you can listen to the interviews, but ultimately I don't know whether or not they're believers. I don't know whether or not they consider themselves a part of the church. So judging them, judging their relationship, judging their marriage is not my responsibility. That's God's responsibility. It's solely up to God to determine whether or not um, 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 what they do, how they do it uh, uh, is right or is wrong or whatever the case may be. It's not our judge. To It's not our job to judge those who are outside of the church. So what I want to do is I want to encourage y'all, pray for the Smith family, pray for their marriage, pray for their salvation, pray for uh, reconciliation. If this has not already been reconciled, this happened, uh, this situation happened four years ago, according to them. So pray for reconciliation. If that hasn't happened, pray for healing, Um, but do not pass judgment on them. Because they don't they don't necessarily profess to be a part of the church or within the church or devout Christians or anything like that. So it's not our responsibility to judge. It's God's responsibility to judge them. Now, judging those who are within the church is a whole nother issue. You got Christians who say only God can judge me. And I say that's not true. Uh, If you're in the church, then we have some right to to uh to judge to some degree but that's a whole nother episode for a different day all right i want to look at i want to look at um what i believe god says about marriage and um i want to i want to i want to i want to preface it with this i want to say this that the bible uh we have to understand that everything that's written within the bible is not necessarily supposed to be a representation of god's standard just because it's written in the Bible, it doesn't mean that it is a standard that we are to live by. Just because it's written in the Bible, it does not mean that it portrays God's heart uh, uh, pertaining a particular thing. Uh, now, I want to talk specifically about marriage because within the Bible, uh, even starting in the book of Genesis, we see different things. We see, first and foremost, God establishing marriage, but then we see throughout time, Marriage begins to evolve uh, into uh, uh, various different things. Even in the scriptures, it begins to evolve and and relationships, uh, 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 the nature of relationships begin to evolve over time and they become um, culturally normal. Uh, for certain things to transpire. Polygamy became culturally normal. It became a cultural norm. Um, homosexuality in some cultures within the Bible was a cultural norm. Even um, even even sodomy, which dealt with men and young boys, that became a cultural norm. There are many things that became culturally normal um, as it pertained to uh, the construct of marriage, uh, a, a concubine. So, so, so in other words, you can have multiple wives and along with your wives you can also have concubines which are servants or slaves that you're able to sleep with and have relationship with uh, uh, for, for entertainment purposes for for alternative sexual pleasure uh, emotional pleasure whatever the case may be and it was socially acceptable so socially acceptable in the word
word that God began to map. He began to set a laws around these certain types of engagements. And one of the things we have to understand about God and the laws that he established in the Old Testament is, is sometimes God would establish laws to monitor not necessarily what he wills, but what people have determined in their hearts to do already. Let me give you an, an, uh, let me give you an example. Slavery was never something that God instituted. God never intended for men to own other men. And we see God's heart portrayed in that reality by the new covenant being established, which was a new, which was a covenant that was not based upon uh, the desires or will of man, but it was solely based upon the desire of God for mankind. He was able to portray his whole heart by making a covenant with his son, with Jesus Christ, which is ultimately himself. He made a covenant with himself where Jesus became the, the uh, uh, he became the acceptor of the covenant. He became the lamb of the covenant. He became the priest of the covenant. So he carried out the full totality of what that covenant was from God to himself through the body of Jesus Christ. So God ultimately made a covenant with himself so that now anybody who steps into this covenant, you no longer are held under these other laws that uh that that actually you wanted you wanted the law you wanted slaves you wanted certain things to transpire so what so what god did was he was set laws in place uh, 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 in order to, uh, to in order to to govern or set parameters or guidelines around what man wanted, including slavery. So some of the laws that are in uh, the law of Moses deal with slavery. Some of them deal with marriage. Some of them deal with divorce. Some of them. I mean, they deal with so many different things that God never really intended, but he set in place. So uh, so that we would not ultimately destroy ourselves and destroy one another. So just because something's in the Bible. Bible, it does not mean that it is God's standard. All right. Again, polygamy is in the Bible. Um, different types of relationships are in the Bible. As a matter of fact, even today, you have some countries that believe in polygamy. You have uh, some religions that believe in polygamy. Uh, you have um, uh, 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 Latter-day Saints who believe in polygamous relationships. And they are they consider themselves a, a a sect of Christianity of, uh, to some degree. Um, uh, 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 so, so it's not something that is uncommon. It becomes very common. But, but the thing is, just because something becomes common, does it mean that we are to accept it as our norm? Just because something is becomes common or something becomes uh, uh, ex acceptable in society in whatever age, whatever day you live in, does that mean that you are to adopt whatever that uh, practice is, whatever that cultural norm is? Are we to adopt that and ultimately abandon what God said about a thing? So what I want to do is I want to take a moment and I want to express to you what I believe about marriage and um, I believe that when we look at marriage as a Christian, as a new covenant believer, I believe that what we have to look at is not necessarily the Bible in totality, but we are to look at the man, Jesus Christ, who is the logos of God. 
He's the word of God. He's the, he is the logic of God, the reasoning of God. What am I saying? If you want to know what God thinks, if you want to know how God feels, if you want to understand what God believes about a thing or what God has intended for a thing to be or to become, you have to look at the man, Jesus Christ. Jesus was God personified. Jesus was the word of God personified. Check this out. Jesus is the standard of God personified. So whenever we are talking about standards and God's standard for a thing, we have to look at what Jesus said. We have to look at what Jesus did because Jesus is the standard. So uh, the, uh, uh, the root word of standard is stand. So with Jesus being the standard, that would ultimately mean that whatever Jesus says about a thing would have to become the thing that we stand upon. So I want to look at just very briefly, I want to look at some some of the phrases that are used in Matthew chapter 19. In Matthew chapter 19, uh, verses four through six, uh, he said, this is what Jesus says. He says, and he answered and said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. What God has joined together, let not man separate. And what we have to understand is that Jesus speaking about this in Matthew chapter 19 is just not him talking about creation with God just creating man and woman. The context of this conversation was marriage. The Pharisees were asking him, is it, uh, is it lawful for man to divorce his wife for any reason? So Jesus was addressing the issue, uh, uh, the drama uh, of that, that, that the Pharisees had stirred up. A revolving around marriage and divorce. So what Jesus had to do was go all the way back to the beginning to look at God's original intention regarding marriage. And he said, look, God intended marriage from the beginning. From the beginning, God made male and female. That sets the precedence. He didn't say God made male and male. God made female and female. In the context of marriage, hear me. In the context of marriage, it says that it says that in the beginning made them male and female. And he said, for this reason, male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. He is giving us context of God's heart relating to marriage. All right. God's heart is a male and a female, a husband or a man and his wife, a man leaving his mother and father, being joined to his wife and the two becoming one flesh. I think these exes, you know, this these these statements X out a few different things. It's it, it X's out homosexual or same sex marriage. It 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 also X's out polygamy. It X's out polygamy because the emphasis is on two becoming one. Two becoming one. Jesus emphasized two becoming one twice. He said, for this reason, a man leaves his father, and mother and is joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. He literally repeated himself twice, adding emphasis on the reality that 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 the two becomes one. And then he adds this. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. In other words, in other words, he's saying this. No one else should be involved in this relationship. There, there are no entanglements that should be involved in this relationship. There are no concubines 
or prostitutes that should be involved in this relationship. If you are, if you are uh, separated, let the separation not be caused by someone else getting involved in the relationship. Let no man tear apart. Let no man separate what God has joined together. So my personal conviction is that even in the midst of separation, if you and your spouse are going through some hard times, if things are going on in your relationship and you're separated, uh, some people would say, even some celebrities, they would say broken up, we broke up or whatever the case may be. In the midst of all of that, the reality is that you are still married. You're still married. Even in the midst of separation, you are still married. Meaning what? Meaning that if you have sex, if you engage with someone in a way where you are emotionally stimulated by them, if you are physically uh, engaged with them, uh, 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 if you're going out on dates or anything like that, you are in an adulterous affair. Now, some of y'all don't like that because I know we like to do what we like to do. And it's like, well, I'm not with them. They're not in the house no more, whatever the case may be. Well, the fact of the matter is that you're still married until you're divorced. And God and, and Jesus had something to say about that. Jesus spoke up about divorce. I'm not going to get fully into that. But Jesus said that divorce was never on the mind of God. It was never on the heart of God when he instituted marriage. But because of the hardness of men's hearts, God permitted it. Not that God willed it. Not, get, not that God designed it, not that God uh, 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 willed it to be so. It says that God permitted it because of the hardness of men's hearts. So God has something to say about marriage, about divorce, about polygamy, about, about how we engage with our spouses, about how we treat our spouses, about you know, whether, you know, whether it's the husband treating the wife a certain way or the wife treating the husband a certain way. God has something to say about it. And what we have to learn to do is look at Jesus as our standard. We have to look at Jesus as our standard. All right. He uses very specific words, very specific phrases regarding this. And, and some of you may be listening. You may say, well, we see that some of the fathers of faith, they had certain things. Uh, Abraham had 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 a wife and he had he had uh, uh, he had servant slaves that he slept with. You know, he slept with Hagar. Uh, 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 and bore Ishmael. You know, you have Solomon who had over 700 wives. You have David uh, uh, who had who had many wives. You have all of these people throughout biblical history who have these um, uh, uh, things that seem contradictory to what Isaac is saying today. Well, let me tell you this. Some of these things were culturally normal by this time, culturally normal. And just because they did it, it doesn't mean it's our standard. Let me tell you this. Abraham is not your standard. Solomon is not your standard. David, even David, King of David, who God said he would establish a throne uh, 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 of, of David that someone would sit on forever. David is not your standard. John the Baptist is not your standard. You only have one standard. That standard is Jesus Christ. So if Jesus did not say it, if Jesus did not emphasize it, if Jesus made certain things clear, that is what we have to begin to um, 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 to fix our paradigm. And we have to begin to be transformed in a renewing of our mind. And even if it seems like everyone is saying it's OK, we have to have a standard that's greater than the standards of the world. We have to live from a culture that's countercultural from the culture that we engage in every day. We have to learn how to be heavenly minded. We have to learn how to live from the from a place of eternity. We have to live how to live from the place of Christ mindedness and Christ likeness and not be susceptible and not uh, conform to the ways of the world. 
All right. So I believe Jesus came to reveal the heart of God. Jesus came to reveal the image of God. Uh, uh, and with Jesus saying what he said and demonstrating what he did, uh, Jesus spoke concerning God's original intention, God's original intention. Doesn't matter how things may have been twisted. Doesn't matter what we may have added into it. Doesn't matter what people are still adding into it and what people will add into it moving forward. There is an, an a, there is an original intention that God has for marriage and our standard in seeing that is Jesus Christ. All right, y'all listen, I hope this is something that blessed you. I want you all, uh, 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 if, if this bless you, go ahead and just share this. Let someone see this. Send this to someone and uh, let them hear this. And again, if you need to stop and do whatever you're doing, stop, stop right now and subscribe. Leave a review. Leave a comment. Let me know. Rate this. Let me know what you think. All right? I love y'all. Thank you so much for rocking with me. This is Church Talk with Isaac, and, I, and I'll talk to y'all soon. Thank you for listening to Church Talk with Isaac. If you enjoy our content and benefit from this podcast, do me a favor and subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends, family, and colleagues. I'm also on all social media platforms and would love to connect with you. You can also partner with us by visiting IsaacWatsonMinistries.com and clicking Donate. Your partnership helps us to get the message of Jesus through Isaac Watson Ministries to the world. Talk to you soon.